Banter with the Irish, your weekly podcast for the banter, music and crack with guests from all over Ireland and of course, not forgetting myself, your presenter, Margaret McHugh. Welcome along to the first episode of Banter with the Irish with myself, Margaret McHugh. Great to be with you and thank you for listening in to my show today. The special guest today is John Lynch. John Lynch is the band leader and banjo player with the Kilfenora Cayley Band since 1993. Now the Kilfenora Cayley Band are 111 years old. They have been around before the foundation of the Irish Republic in 1916. To be precise, they have been around since 1909. So it would be great to chat with John about the history of the Kilfenora Cayley Band. But first up, I want to play a song from their album Both Sides Now. And this song is featuring Idel Avon and it is called Both Sides Now. And up after this, I will be in conversation with Mr. John Lynch. So stay tuned and back after this. Ice cream castles in the air And feathered canyons everywhere I've looked at clouds that way But now they only block the sun They rain and snow on everyone So many things I have done but clouds got in my way I've looked at clouds from both sides now from up and down and still somehow it's clouds illusions I recall I really don't That love that way But now it's just another show You leave them laughing when you go And if you care, don't let it show Don't give yourself away
I'm joined on the line by John Lynch, band leader and banjo player with the Kilfenora Cayley Band, all the way from County Clare. And of course, people are well familiar with the Kilfenora Cayley Band, as it's 111 years old. John, thank you for joining me on the show. Hello, Margaret. Thank you very much for having me. And just to say hello to all the people that listen to you on the net. John, 111 years old is remarkable because the Kilfenora Cayley Band were around before the foundation of the Irish Republic, which is a huge yes. achievement. Yes, well, it's it's fascinating, really. Um, you know, that the longevity of it is, is really fascinating. Uh, my grandfather would have been part of the founding members, and then my father, PJ, would have, and my aunt Noreen and my uncle Jerry were part of the 1950s band. Uh, but the band came together to uh, raise funds for the local church. So they had socials in the local school. And before that, there was also a brass and reed and fife and drum band in Kilfenora. And some of the musicians that played with the brass and reed and uh, the fife and drum were also playing traditional music. Uh, and they learned to read the music as well. And the Kilfenora history kind of goes into four, I suppose, four periods. You had kind of from the beginning in 1909 right through to the mid-1920s raising funds for the church and that. And then my grandfather and Jim Ward and some more continued on the band like and they started to move outside of the village. They travelled and they went as far as Clifton and they played for a Seagulson Cup ball and their first uh, radio broadcast was in 1932 and that band kind of kept together really until the end of the 1940s and then you had 1951 you had the founding of Caucus and my father and his first cousin Kitty Lenan, they put a band together to compete in the 1954 All-Ireland and that band won three in a row in 1954, five and six. And because of their success as uh, the Flan, and they were uh, requested to play all over the country. And they played all over the country and travelled extensively throughout the country. And then in the late 50s, uh, 1958, they made their first album, which was called The Fabulous Kilfenora Kelly Band. And my father and my Uncle Jerry were part of that. And my father and Uncle Jerry were first cousins of Kitty Lenan, who went on to lead that band until the 90s when she when she passed away in 1993. So that band was together right through for 40 years and they toured in England during Lent uh, because here you weren't allowed uh, to have Cayleys and that during Lent. And at that time, as we know, the 50s and 60s, uh, an awful lot of immigration happened and a lot of the Irish went to work in England. So therefore the Irish bands went across and played in England. And uh, Kitty led the band right through. They made three albums, one in 1958, one in 1973, and one in 1974. And she played right up until she passed away in 1993. I became involved with the band in 92. I just uh, put a band together uh, just to have our generation represented at Flana, and we competed, and I have been part of that band since late 91, right through to now. And we have taken it from not just being a dance band to being a dance band and also a concert band. So that's more or less the history of it, um, Margaret. But it's it's really that it's now into its, uh, I suppose, into its fourth generation. Yeah, it's into the fourth generation, you know. So I think that's a wonderful thing, you know. It goes beyond just a band playing professionally. It really is in the soul of the people because it demands so much more than just turning up to play for geeks and that. You mentioned Kitty Lanan. 
How significant was she in the formation and continuation of the band? I remember watching a program about her on TG Cahar and she seemed like a very strong-willed, determined woman. <laughs> well, Margaret, you have that in one anyway. She was one very strong lady. And we'll say my father and my uncle and my aunt were first cousins of Kitty. And that 1950, that 1950s band, the one the three All-Irelands, we'll say, um, there were seven there, and the farthest out there were was first cousins, brothers and sisters, or uncle. So seven out of the ten were family, really. And then there was Gus Tierney, Gerald O'Loughlin, and... Um, uh, Jim Ward, who played uh, as well. But Kitty was a very strong lady, very, very strong lady. And like my father would have stayed with her in the band until the late 50s, early 60s. But then all uh, the Lynches emigrated. Then my father was the only one left in Ireland and he didn't play with the band from then on. So Kitty took over the leadership and led right through to 1992. But was a superb lady and was fully into the history of the Kilfenora and keeping the Kilfenora going and was uh, was the only lady uh, in the travelling band, we'll say. You had Isa McQueen who, who played with them, double bass with them in competition, but did not travel to the gigs. Kitty was the only lady and she led it and she led it from a position of strength. What Kitty said, everybody else did. If she said to do it, you did it. She was a strong lady, but was responsible for keeping it going for 40 years, you know. That's remarkable. And when yes. you took over the band, did that mean a lot to you? Did you feel a pressure to live up to the expectation <laughs> of well, Kitty Lamann? I suppose it was a certain amount of ignorance from my point of view, um, Margaret, so I didn't... Like, I was teaching in Kildare, and I remember going to the 1991 All-Ireland, and I was at the All-Ireland, and it was in Sligo, and the three bands that time, first, second, and third bands that time were Sheemsa in Louth, you had the Bridge in uh, Monastreven, and you had the Column Kill, which is a, a London-based band, and uh, they were the powerful bands, and there was no Clare band there, and I just remember going down the street, and I met my old not my old teacher, but my teacher that I had when I was in national school, Phil Canole McMahon. And I said to Phil, I think I'm going to put a band together, Phil, next year, just to go into competition to see how we'd fare out in our time. And that's how it just came about. And Phil's mother had, we'll say, she had coached my father's band. She was the national school teacher. Molly Canole was her name. And she coached the old band. And Phil would have been in with her on that. So I put the band together in the midterm break of 91. Mark October midterm break of 91. I was teaching Kildare, as I said. And we put the band together. And we just entered the competition. But I, I only just thought that we just enter competition, see how we get on. And we were in 92. We got second to the bridge. The bridge beat us. And then we won three All Irelands in '93, '94, uh, and '95. Like I'm, I, you see, I'm very proud of the family association in relation to the pressure. I didn't feel it that much because my father was still alive. God be good to him, and Uncle Jerry and all of them. So we had people around us that were well able to coach us and would put us on the right road. And like I was very proud of the family association because my grandfather, as I said, was part of the original, and my father imbued in us an obsession with football and music. My youth was filled with football and music was second place while I was playing football but when I became too old for the football the music reasserted itself 
And uh, in fact, the timing was perfect because that was the early 90s and Kitty died in 1993 and the old was beginning to slip away due to age. And it was just right for someone like myself to come along and take it on, full of naive optimism and exuberance of youth, of course. So we completed in the flag here on the helm. Um, we won three All-Irelands in 1994 and 1995, and we then started to hit the concert scene in 2009 to celebrate our centenary, you see. And then there was a documentary done in the band called In the Blood, which was broadcast on RTE. And then we were getting invitations to travel abroad and perform in major concert halls all over. And uh, the past 10 years, we've developed uh, a professionally choreographed stage show that combines our roots with the contemporary, really, because you have to be relevant in the time that you live in. In that time, we have recorded seven albums and uh, the single Claire, My Heart, My Home, which is composed by band member and concertina player Tim Collins. So that gives you kind of a feel of where I was coming from and what motivated me and what drove me on. And uh, there would always be that weight on your shoulders from the point of view, like that you'd, you'd have to be respectful of your history while still making it relevant in your own time. In the sense of how the Kilfenor Kelly Band has changed, I was actually looking through some of the old albums and I think it was in 1993 there is a album out and there's all men in it and there's just one woman and then two years later a second woman seems to enter the band in 1995 and if you look through the albums you can see the development of the band that it becomes more balanced between male and females and I think that added a layer to the Kilfenora Kelly band. I'll tell you how that originated now. My, my first preference, not my first preference of it, my first, we'll say, rule. Now remember, you can't talk about traditional music back then the same as you can talk about it now. Because when I was young and in the late 60s, 70s, if you were playing traditional music, it was actually frowned upon, you know, in that time. Uh, it was seen, um, like, it was seen that it didn't embrace change, you know, that it was linked with an old Ireland and it didn't in involve change in that back in the 60s and 70s and then the body band and Stockton's Ring and Judan and all of them came and they started to change it but even in the early 90s it wasn't as popular as it is now but it was starting to gain traction alright but my first um, call would be that I would try and get the musicians from within Kilfenora first if I could and if that failed then and it also meant and if I didn't get the musicians I needed in Kilfenora, I had to go outside Kilfenora. And like it also meant like this, you had to take the instrumentation that you wanted in the band for the band sound. But like as it progressed then, like you are correct in that in the beginning, the first year we competed in 92, there was only one girl and that was Anne-Marie McCormack. But then had my brother left because of the commitment, he left after 93. And then we brought in Anne Rin, came into the band at that stage. And then as we progressed along, as we'll say vacancies became uh, available in the band, we tried to balance up so that it was, you know, uh, equally divided amongst the sexes, like. And uh, now we have, it's a case of uh, seven and six. We have 13 band members now, and it's seven and six, so it's very evenly divided. Talk to me about the band members and what meaning the band has for the community, the musicians involved and County Clare. Well, the, the band uh, at the moment 
consists of a 13-piece band. I'm the leader uh, and I play banjo and mandolin. Claire Griffin plays the recording. Her husband, Tim Collins, plays concertina. Gary Shannon plays flute and whistle. Anthony Quigney plays flute, whistle and piano. And Marie McCormick plays fiddle. Sinead Hagney uh, plays viola. And uh, Anne-Marie McCormick plays fiddle. We have four fiddles, two flutes. Sean Howley plays cello. Fitter McBahan plays keyboard. Sean Griffin plays drums. And Brian O'Grady plays um, double bass. So that's the instrumentation. And the instrumentation, you see, as the band evolved from a dance band to become a dance band plus a concert band, we were including singers, so therefore we needed to be able to expand our repertoire to be able to accompany singers, and we also wanted to bring in harmony and that into the band and, and break it, because when you're playing for a sit-down audience, it's different to when you're playing for dancers. When you're playing for dancers, it's totally orientated towards the dancer. When you're playing for a sit-down audience, you have to entertain. So therefore we expanded it out to include a cello, a viola, and a double bass. So that gives you a lovely lower end to the band as well. Um, but we, we love a challenge, you see, and we extend the repertoire of the band. We are very mindful of the audience we're playing for, and we include dancers as well because our music really comes from playing for dancers, so the dance element of our music is very important, and uh, the band sound and the rhythm of our music comes from playing for dancers. And the meaning it has for County Clare, do you feel that... It has put County Clare on the map in relation to when boars come to County Clare. But I would say there, but you see, tr- traditional music has immeasurable currency, like, uh, and in uh, articulating who and what we are as a people. Uh, in the case of Norway, we see ourselves as being part of a much bigger cultural phenomenon that we call traditional music. It is a culture that partly defines us as a people. You know, and it has been it has been handed down from generation to generation. And the Kilsonora sees itself as being part of the Clare music scene. But only part of it. But like when we go out to play we see ourselves as ambassadors. Remember Kilsonora is just a small little village of about four hundred people on the edge of the burden, lodges on the edge of the burden between uh Corofin and Lisbonvarna, and it's seven miles in from the sea at Lehinch. But we are very conscious that we're from Kilfenora, and we're very conscious of the name that has gone before us, and we see ourselves as ambassadors for Kilfenora, and when we go outside of Clare and outside of the country, we see ourselves as ambassadors of County Clare and the country when we go outside of it, and we try to live up to that, because uh, we're very proud of our traditional music and where we come from, but we don't see ourselves as the be-all and in all at the same time. We see ourselves as part of... Uh, the Clare music scene but the Clare music scene is very 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 strong there's tremendous respect for traditional music in County Clare and there's great support for it and like if you didn't have that support within the county it would die off because like if if, if it doesn't get its audience and if it doesn't get its platform it's hard for it to survive but we thanks be to God we're very lucky that we perform concerts and Cayleys all over Clare we're part of it young people in County Clare are very much into traditional music and there's an awful lot of them playing traditional music and because of the likes of Tim Collins and the band and Gary Shannon and Eamor Howley and Sharon Howley and all the others that are teaching within the band and the other teachers will say in County Clare like you have the Tuller Band and there's several of them teaching as well and all the other single teachers throughout County Clare 
the music is very, very strong. And you have the Bourne Interpretive Centre in Kilfenor, which has a room off the Interpretive Centre. The Interpretive Centre is there to interpret what happens in the Bourne and the life of the Bourne. But there's a room off that which shows the whole memorabilia of the Kilfenor and the history of the band, because it's intertwined in the people. And the music of County Clare is intertwined in the people. And the Kilfenor Achille Band is part of the intertwining amongst those people. That's the way we see ourselves. You mentioned the Tullochady band, John. Would you say you're in competition with them? There was great competition between the Tulla and the Kilfenora in the 1950s because they were two very strong bands and their their uh, supporters were fanatical. Like, and there was you were either on one side or the other. Traditional music is such a small genre of music um, and it's broadening out every day, Margaret, but like we don't see ourselves in competition with, we see ourselves complementing the Tuller Band and the same, I would say, they would see, well, I can't speak for the Tuller Band, but I'd say they would see it as the same. But we have our jibes with each other and good crack. I know Mark Donnell, the leader of the Tuller, very, very well. And, I, and Pat and myself, my brother, often go over and play with himself and John Kenny in um, Fecal, uh, in Gary Pepper's pub, and we've had great fun slagging. And it's the same as Roscommon and Gala, Roscommon and Mayo, like Margaret, you know, you have the slagging going on before the match and that, but like we shake hands always afterwards, like, you know, and we play, love playing music with them. But there would be always that little bit of, of, um, friendly rivalry there, you know what I mean? But like, in the, when the All Island Flag was in Venice in 2016 and 2017, we played, we played two one each year with the Tulla on the stage with the Tulla. They called Tulla and the Kilfenora on the stage. And that was wonderful. And that went back to 1956 when uh, the Tulla and the Kilfenora drew in competition during the day. And there was a Cayley in Paddy Conn's Hall that night. And they had to compete again against each other at the Cayley. And Kilfenora were looking enough to win on that night. But the two bands ended up on the stage playing together. So even though there's friendly rivalry, there's also great friendship and camaraderie there. Talk to me about how often the band does practice and just let our listeners know the process and how you all agree which songs will be put on an album and could you discuss some of the artists you've worked with and some of the tours the band have went on before lockdown? Well, in relation to the material we do, I suppose it divides into two. You'll have the material that you do for Akalia. Now, when we're picking material for we when we're playing for dancers, we, when we pick our tunes, they have to fit into the, the rhythm in which we play. We play a certain way, and some tunes don't suit that rhythm. So if they don't suit that rhythm, we decide not to take them. But what we do is somebody has, I, I love this tune, bring it to the band, the band discuss it, and we sit down and we, and we if it fits into the rhythm and, every, and it fits into a nice selection, those nice changes, then we go with it. Now, Nearly always it's a consensus. But if I have to make a call on it, I will make a call on it. But generally, it's the band sits around together and we discuss whatever we're doing. And like when we're doing concerts, sometimes we decide we're picking a team. So the music then would uh, take up a certain team and you would be picking, picking music to qualify that team. Uh, but generally, our concerts, they have, they're a show now because we have lighting and we have staging and we have dancers and we have the singer and it's a 13-piece band. So, and the way I look at that is if Margaret McHugh is going out to see um, Nathan Carter tonight and she sees all the razzmatazz and all the the lighting effects and everything that uh, Nathan uses and then she, she, she says tomorrow night or next weekend I want to see the Kilfenora. Well, she's going to compare the two, you see. So you have to make sure that your show is 
is, you know, it's keeping up with what's happening in other genres as well. But in relation to the the picking of the music, that's the way we do it with somebody. Like, for instance, I'll take Little Bird now just as an example of how Little Bird came about to be recorded by the Kilfenora. Little Bird is a piece of music that was written by Tim Eady for Sharon Shannon. And Sharon Shannon, who is Gary's sister, uh, put it on an album. And I remember coming back from a, a show that we did and I had Emer holding in the in the van with me and Sinead Hagey, two of the younger members, and I said, I heard a lovely piece of music the other day. What do you think of this? And I played from I think we'd make a lovely job of that, wouldn't we? And that's how they, I brought it to the band. Then the band sat around and the band decided, yes, that would be lovely. We would do it. And we did it and we brought in the harmonies and the arrangements and everything else. And uh, you were talking about the artists we would have met. The person that, that was in Chapter 8 and the person that, that produced that album was Kevin Crawford of Lunasa. Uh, so that's one person we would have worked with, and he would have helped us. We have three, had three producers in, in my time in the Kilfenora. The first was Kieran Hanrahan, who needs no introduction, who is the presenter of Cayley House and who was a member of Stockland's Wing and who is a superb banjo player. And Kieran produced three albums for us. And then Kevin Crawford came in and he produced another two albums. And then the last album, which is both sides now, uh, was produced by uh, Donna Lunny. So those are the people that helped us to progress the music. Now, Kieran and, and uh, Kevin would have helped our melody line very, very much so on the tightness of the band and getting the band tight and playing melodies tight and things like that. Whereas when we were doing both sides now, Edel Vaughan was singing on the album with us. And my brother, Jolly, God be good to him, who passed away last June, was singing on it as well. And uh, I suppose the reason the two of those were on it is because Tim Collins wrote a great anthem called Clear My Heart, My Home. And Jerry and Edel sang that in the concerts with us. And that was arranged. Uh, Donald Lunny, we asked Donald would he come aboard. We didn't expect that he would. We were very lucky that he did because of the experience the man has at, at playing music. And he's involved so much in traditional music for so long. And we brought him in and... Uh, we had some songs, as I said, and he helped us with the arrangement of those songs and how to do arrangement and how to get your back row and back line working on it. In relation to how often the band meets and that, we meet most Monday nights when it's possible and COVID permitting. And we rehearse in St. Fandon's College in Ennis because Ennis is central for everybody to come to. And we're there since we started. We're rehearsing in Finance College since 1992, Margaret. So does that kind of give you a, uh, an example of where we, how we put it together? Just in relation to some of your songs, like you mentioned Little Bird and Clare My Heart, My Home. Do you or the fans derive different meanings from those songs? Because we all have points in our life where we suffer from maybe a loss of a family member or the birth of a new child or where we have to yeah. le- leave our homes and go to another country like they did back in uh, the 1900s when the band started. Um, do you often get people coming up to you after maybe a concert and saying, I love that song and it meant this to me? Very much so. Um, like Little Bird, Little Bird now for us would be synonymous with with uh, the funerals. And as we know, funerals is part of life, you know, and uh, within the Kilfenora Kelly Band and all of its extended families and that Little Bird is played at all of them. Um, we've had a sad year this year, myself, like Noreen, our son died, uh, and the 
23rd of February and then Jerry, my brother who sang with the band, died in June and Jerry sang Claire My Heart, My Home and part of Jerry's memory card has the words of Claire My Heart, My Home, Kilfenora of the Crosses. We are from Kilfenora and it's known as the City of the Seven Crosses. Tim Collins wrote the song. Now that song is an anthem at this stage in, in County Clare and outside of County Clare. The amount of people from all over the world that I've sent that song to and it's because it strikes the cards. It's a lovely melody first but also the, all the place names of County Clare are mentioned in it. A lot of the place names and it, it, it brings home closer to the people that are away. And Little Bird is such a lovely haunting piece like if you play that and if you were well, uh, to brought tears from a stone like you know and I know that myself um, Margaret because we played at John's funeral my own son's funeral and uh, but like music is I think it's the voice of the soul really to be honest about it Margaret and uh, we have uh, the amount of people to come up and say they love Little Bird and they love Claire My Heart My Home and uh, Jerry when the, the last concert that Jerry did with us Jerry brought out two albums on his own long before he he sang a song that was a great hit for him, which was Christmas 1914. Um, uh, and that was a great hit for him. And he sang with us for the last two years, along with Adele. And when the last concert he sang with me, with the band, was above in the Ulster Hall in Belfast on the 18th of January of this year. And he sang um, Ellis Island. And that night was a really special night. The band, the minute we went on stage even, there was 820 people in the Ulster Hall in Belfast. And I cannot describe to you, uh, Margaret, the feeling that came over the band as we played that night. We just knew there was something that was much bigger than the band and the audience in the hall. It was just so... I can't even articulate it. It was mm. just so... You could feel it in yourself playing. And we've played in an awful lot of... Uh, venues now but there was something special about the audience the first time we ever did a, uh, our show in Belfast and the hall was packed and Jerry sang very well that night that would be good to him and Edel sang brilliantly the whole thing just gelled it was you know our music our song and our dance presented in Belfast and the people of Belfast really appreciating it so they, yes I, the answer is those songs have very very deep meaning for a lot of people I'd uh, like to express my sympathies on your loss well thank you Anna you know I, I appreciate that very much now I I, I I was just kind of pointing out what it means to to different people like you know and thank you for, 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 for that Mark. I'd like to talk about the albums and we have now is the hour both sides now chapter 8 and century and I've listened to those albums time and time again and I was trying to pick my own favourite songs and even though I'm not from Claire, I think Claire to hear featuring Don Stiff is a really beautiful song and it's just a beautiful combination between the band and uh, Don Stiff singing and Don Stiff has accompanied the band on some of your albums. Oh yeah, like um, the singers we've... uh some of the singers that we have uh, collaborated with, like our Edel Vaughan, Dan Stiff, Mike Hanrahan, the Stockton's Ring, Sean Keane, who's not too far away from you, Sean Till, they have all sang with us at different times. But Dan Stiff actually recorded two albums with us. Don was the first singer that we actually 
P.J. Murray originally was the first singer that recorded with the Kilfenora. And P.J. Murray went on to man, everybody in Roscommon, I say, knows P.J. Murray. And he was, he started off with the Kilfenora Kelly Band. The next person to record with the Kilfenora Kelly Band was Don Stiff. And Don Stiff and myself are great friends to this day. That man and myself, I, I love the man. He's one of the nicest men you could ever come across. A lovely, gentle person. And is a beautiful singer. And he, we, I know we put a little, a slightly different twist um, it's a long way from Clare to here but at the same time like you can you can nearly feel that we're we are Clare people that feel that song you know and it represents kind of the people being away from home again and the band and then it goes from that into Jimmy Ward's jig and Jim Ward was the banjo player with the Kilfenora from the late 1920s right through to 1974 so that's all intertwined in it, but Don Stiff made a be- he sang beautifully in that album, and uh, he also sang on, uh, uh, he sang in two albums. One was Chapter 8, where he did two songs, and then Now's the Hour, where he did five songs. So Don was very much part of the, of the transition from the band, from being just a purely dance band, to being a dance band, and a concert band, because you'll hear a lot of people say, ah, the Kifanora, should they have just a concert band? No, but we're not. We play for Kayleigh's the same as always, and we play for concerts. But we decided as a band, we are a very big band, and as a band to survive, we needed to do concerts as well as Kayleys, because not all Kayleys would be able to have us because of the number. And I won't split the band because of the band sound. Kifanora has a certain sound that we want to protect, and uh, that will always be, it was always a big band, and it will be in my time anyway. And... Uh, we have done that, and, but we also, there are superb musicians in the band, and the younger musicians are superb, and we have to challenge the band, and that's why we digress and put in different types of music in different tempos and all that, because the younger members, I, what I want to do, Margaret, is make sure that there's an audience there for the younger members, for when I'm gone out, I see myself as a cog in the wheel, and when I'm gone, I want the band to just continue on, and nobody will notice the difference. That's the way it should be, you know. And I see myself as a cog in the wheel, and I see all the band members, though. And it has it has gone down through three generations at this stage, four generations now it's gone on to, and I just want to make sure that I have an audience there for the band uh, so that it'll continue on when the good Lord has taken me out of this world. I think, John, you're doing a great job, and as are the band, and I believe wholeheartedly that long after I'm gone in another 111 years, that no matter how much society changes and no matter how much we modernise, I think the Kilvanora band will always have a place in any type of society. Yeah, well, <laughs> I suppose uh, my ambition like, would, would be really for the band like is this they would be celebrating their bicentenary in 2109, Margaret. <laughs> Even though I say, I'd be putting up many a briar or ramble by then, I'd say, you know. But that's what I would hope, that they'd, they'd celebrate their bicentenary in 2109. Just in relation to another album, which I found very interesting, and I think one of the reels was almost a tribute to Kishi. It was a Century album, and Kishi's reels, Lynch's jigs, and Quigney's polkas are the three sort of songs I picked as my favourite on that album. Yes, well, they're, they're, they are they're, like Kishi's reels was the was the opening track, and they're four great reels, like you know, and they're they're played, you know, and um, what you also said, the, the polkas were lovely. 
they were uh, Anthony Quigley's we just put Quigley's name on that uh, Anthony they brought those to the band now and uh, one of the one of those was um, it was a Scottish piece because in the 50s my uncle Jerry was very was all the time listening to Jimmy Shand and the Scottish bands and that and they picked up a lot of the music from then from there as well and it's passed down the same as we would play pieces now that would be strictly traditional and they might even have come from the from the Brasserie, but like there's one track we play on that century album, which is a military two steps, and they're gorgeous. There's three military two steps in it, and they are lovely. Uh, and because they're a different type of tempo, but they're lovely tunes, like. And uh, we were very lucky to, for because of the generation who went before us, they passed on such beautiful tunes to us. And as I said to you, when we're picking our tunes, really, they have to fit into a certain rhythm, or else we don't play them, like. Because if if we have to change our style of real playing. We don't change our style of reel playing, you know. Rather than change the way we play our reels, what we do is we pick the reels that suit the way we play them, if that makes sense. It does, John. Because there are lots of lovely reels out there that really wouldn't fit into the rhythm we play in. So therefore, we we might play them in a session, but we wouldn't play them in the band for dancers, like because they wouldn't have that rhythm element in them. At the end of the show, I actually want to play a tribute song to your brother, and it was a song that your brother sang and I was actually listening to it again before I did this interview. And I have to say, probably the two albums that had the most effect on me and kind of stirred emotion was Now Is The Hour and Both Sides Now. And Adele Vaughan sang that song, Both Sides Now, but also your brother sang the song called Crusader and it yeah. kind of really got me. It's a beautiful thing, as you see, and it was Mick Henley that wrote Crusader like and uh, we had we spent a lot of time Jerry and I spent a lot of time picking them but like and he was going through chemo and all that and really it was nearly uh, parallel to what he was going through at that time the song really w- w- described the journey he was on really you know and it's, I listened to myself and it brings tears <laughs> it brings tears to my eyes so it does Margaret you know but that's that's life and that's the way life goes but I I have I have those memories and those songs to remember, you see. He was singing absolutely fantastically on... And Liddell, both of them are fabulous singers. And, and they sang Clear My Heart, My Home together in the concerts. And it was really very, very poignant, really. The the, the, the audience responded to, to them so well, you know. And when Jerry would be singing, like, Liddell and himself were... There would be this slagging going on because Jerry was from Kilfenora and I'm from Kilfenora, but Liddell is from Inchy Cronin. So Jerry, when he comes to Kilfenora of the classes, he raises his fist up into the air and the crowd would respond. And then he did it, sing her bit, and then she'd crown and she'd sing it up the hand and go. And again, there'd be another, you know, so there was even the, the club rivalries and the parish rivalries were coming out in the song, you know. And that's why it has such resonance for so many people. And the people that are away really love it. And I'm sending that overseas so much, like, and people get such a, it reminds them of home, like, and home is home. No matter where you go, Margaret, and no matter what age you were when you left home, home is always home. And Kilfenora is always home for me. I'm living in Clarecastle now and love it. But, like, I was born in Kilfenora. I was raised in Kilfenora. The band was all around me. It was a, a lot of my family were involved in the band. But like you said about Don Stiff and about Edel and about Jerry coming to the band, the band has always survived on what the members bring to it. It's not it's not John Lynch as the leader. John Lynch doesn't matter in it. 
the band is what counts, like, and each member brings something. And I love when we're there in Flannan's of a Monday night, and you're starting to put the music together, and we've agreed on something. And then Shan comes with a cello, and uh, Eamor comes with a line for the fiddles, and Tim comes with other stuff. And then you have the double bass, and when it all starts to come together, and then suddenly, because you'll be there, what the way... It, it starts as you see somebody comes Tim will say will come in will play on my heart my home he'll bring it in lads I have an arrangement for this but like if you feel that you might be able to add to it and then the band take it on board and the whole band then start to bring peace and eventually it becomes a Kilfenora arrangement mm. but uh, you see that takes bigness on behalf of the person that brings it in and the other members because like it goes from their particular piece that they brought in to be in a band piece where everybody has an input into it but they trust each other you see this that if they bring it to the band eventually it becomes a band piece and it becomes all the better because it becomes a band piece and when you are when you open up the band like that and the membership and you open up the music to the members they feel part of it but they also feel part of the ownership of it and all I do Margaret is take the bookings let them know all the logistics and stuff like that but it's really the people that come to the band and what they bring to it but the singers the dancers we have dancers at the moment the two gardeners from um, Clarendon uh, from Clarendon yes and we have Laura Minogue from Ennis and we have Sinead Nealon from Lissy Casey they bring something to it because our music responds to dance when we play reels Idel Vahan comes in and she brings in her um, prowess as a singer and then it's the way it all comes together and nothing gives me as much pleasure as when the whole thing just starts to come together and you hear the music around you and you just say and I really very very lucky to be part of this mm. John talk to me about a new album or possible duets in the near future anything in the pipeline well like because of COVID at the moment like you see uh, and because of the restrictions and uh, like we only brought out an album last year so generally the albums come every third or fourth year with us every three years kind of is when they come but like with COVID you see it has thrown the thing but what, in order to survive during COVID what we did at the beginning was we went on uh, Skype each Monday night but you can't play music together on Skype because of the delay in the technology and that but what we did there was uh, one member would uh, bring two tunes and teach two tunes on the Monday night to the rest of us and the only mic that was live was the person that was teaching and we were learning tunes away like that, having good fun. But the old band always needs a challenge. So I said, look, guys, maybe we should do uh, a concert online. So we planned for a concert online. We did the concert online in August. And that was a major success because... And it was a challenge for us because you were inside in a warehouse because of Ger, uh, Kilkenny of Experience Productions, who does our sound and lighting. He was able to set up our stage in his warehouse and we did it from that and you'd swear you were inside in a television studio and we did our concert in line with our dancers and our singer and we were all um, distanced properly because of COVID and we did an hour and 35 minutes and we were delighted with that. We went to TG Car to see would they be interested in maybe taking some of it for a programme. They were interested in it. They took it as a programme. They wanted 60 minutes so we gave them a 60 minute programme from that concert 
and then they came back to us because they have a program as well that they're doing now that will be shown in the spring where they're taking seven groups uh, you have the likes of Daniel you have the likes of Teda you have uh, Shan Shannon you have Cherish the Ladies and they asked the Kitsunora would they do uh, as a show so we're preparing for that at the moment uh, Margaret and that will be recorded today week and it will be going out somewhere in the spring and then I suppose then hopefully would uh, if this uh, vaccine is successful then we'll be able to get back to normal and preparing for albums and things like that so we're taking it for, at the moment we're taking it project by project John before I let you go talk to me about the two best and most meaningful moments in your life by being part of the Kilfenora Cayley Band oh gosh there are many Margaret there are so many um, there are so many because like really I suppose the biggest the biggest kick out of being part of the Kilfenora is meeting the people and the lovely friends you meet. And I mean friends both in audience and friends both uh, performers that you meet on the way. Um, some of the wonderful things that would have happened to us like our, as a band would, I, I think the Ulster Hall in Belfast last January was something special and it became very special because of Jerry's last performance with us. But it was very special because of the night. Very hard to articulate why the night was so good but the audience were just fabulous. The way the whole thing went together, there was something special about it. Uh, also, I suppose, the fact that the band now has evolved to uh, a stage where we play in the National Concert Hall every single year. We've done the National Concert Hall now 12 times, uh, and it's a sellout every time. And the fact that you have a Cayley band that goes into the main classical uh, building in the country and this, uh, we can sell that out. I find uh, personal satisfaction on that and uh, also great gratitude to the our supporters in Dublin, all the people that come and support us there. Uh, we've also played in Glastonbury, which was uh, an experience. We've done Glastonbury twice, which was an experience. We did the acoustic tent there. One of my fondest memories was 1997 going to America, the first time the band went to America. And it was a Roscommon man that brought us to America, Margaret. Good man. And his name is John O'Brien, and John O'Brien is alive to this day. He played County Minor for Roscommon back, I'd say somewhere between 47 and 53. I'm not, I think it might have been 1951, but I'm not sure. And his name was John O'Brien, and he was he, he emigrated to Cleveland. And there are an awful lot of Mayo people in Cleveland. So if John O'Brien is listening in Cleveland, hello, John, and uh, I hope you are well, and that your, your young son, John Jr., as well, as well. They're the first people that brought us out and Paul Keaton asked us to stop over in New York as well. And we did. And we played in the Lincoln Center, the Lincoln Plaza, in the middle of Manhattan of a lovely balmy summer, summer evening. We launched Sit on Stone over there. It was the second album we did and the one that Kieran Hanlon produced. Sit on Stone was there. And we launched it over. And we did an outdoor Cayley in the, down in the plaza of the Lincoln Center. And there was about 2,000 people in there dancing sets that night and the sound in there was just fabulous Margaret. and at half time you're in the Lincoln Plaza you're surrounded by uh, sea theatres at the break of the, their concerts inside the theatres the people came out onto the balconies and they were looking down at all the Irish having a wave of a time down in the plaza dancing sets and dancing to traditional music that was another really big highlight in, in, in my time so those are some of the lovely memories that I have but like it's the people you meet and how wonderful people are and the friends we have met 
and the people that have been so good to us on the way, Margaret. And the likes of you on all the radio stations that play us and that ask us to do interviews and the people that listen to those interviews and respond. We really do appreciate it and we love playing for it. We miss we miss our audiences and we miss playing for them and meeting them afterwards. But hopefully in the new year, please God, that will change. John, I'd like to thank you for talking to me today and sharing the story of the Kilfenora Cayley Band. I've been listening to them since I was a 10-year-old child in 1998 and it's 111 years old and I hope in another 111 years it'll still be around. It's a force to be reckoned with and it has done so much for Ireland and a traditional music scene and it has adapted well. I wish you all the best in the band and I hope in a few months' time to be sitting in a hall someplace and listening to the Kilfenora, as I said, we will play the song that your brother sang on the album Both Sides Now, Crusader, at the end of the show. Before I let you go, John, is there a particular song you would like played? Well, that is one of them anyway, definitely. And I suppose, um, uh, to, to balance it then, I suppose, if we play Kitty's Reel, the memory of Kitty and the, and the wonderful musicians that went before us that left us the tradition we have. And Margaret, I would just like to say thank you very, very much for having me on your show. Uh, hello to all your audience. Um, and if you are in the hall, Margaret, or you are in the theatre where we're playing, make sure you come up and say hello to the old guy with the banjo <laughs> just sitting in the background and say hello. It'd be lovely to meet you. And you too. You're not that old, John. Trust me, you have another good 50 or 60 years <laughs> left in you. <laughs> well, thank you, Margaret. Thank you, and we'll, so we'll see you. We will finish off the show today with the song Crusader as a tribute to Jerry Lynch. That is John's brother who has since deceased. And we will also play Kishi's Reels from the album Chapter 8 in memory of Kishi Linan, who was a big part of the formation of the band and keeping it going until John Lynch took it over. So until next week. There's a wilderness, a no-man's land Between Alice Springs and the ocean Seventeen hundred miles of burning sand A silken thread keeps a hold on you When the emptiness like a potion Tends to fray you reason Strand by strand And there's no more need For the mask you wear When the last goodbyes have been said So kiss the cheeks of your dearest friends Turn to the desert ahead now you're on your own like a sailing ship You're the captain, the crew and the sailors Turn around and this is what you see This is me facing me All alone cause I choose to and the sun on me, only me. You 
dream so much about being lost, your ghost by a pool of us sleeping haunts you and whispers in your ear. Give up, give up this lonely road. Who knows the promise you're keeping? You can't touch the emptiness out here. But the grace that mends this broken wing, the blue sky to regain, will lift those feet and raise those eyes to face the desert again. Let the dawn reveal the journey's end. In truth, it's only beginning. And it's as far as your eyes.
Don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Banter with the Irish. I won't tell you who my special guest is. That's a surprise. You'll have to tune in to Banter with the Irish to find out who he or she is. But I don't doubt it will be another interesting guest and they will have some interesting stories to share with our listeners. So until next week and my next episode, Stallone Gofol Agusbana. Banter with the Irish, your weekly podcast for the banter, music and crack with guests from all over Ireland and of course, not forgetting myself, your presenter, Margaret McHugh.